All right, God bless, and welcome to the Pastor Mike Show. We are Saving Grace Community Church out of Fredericksburg, Virginia. I actually live in a two-bedroom cabin down on the Rappahannock River. No running water in the cabin. We got well water on property, electricity, and we have a uh, camper mobile home ministry headquarters um, also on the property that we do our podcast out of. And we're going to be doing our pirate radio, Christian radio, and our YouTube and all that out of. We'll be putting high-speed internet, FM transmitters, etc. Today's sermon is Sanctify, what to do after we are saved, born again. It's not just a prayer and it's all uh, rainbows and roses. Once you say that prayer, that's when the hard work begins. We must sanctify ourselves after we repent. And repentance is a complete change, inward and outward. It is a total reevaluation of your entire life and the choices you make and the um, priorities you put. Because once you are born and saved, you must study the Bible. And once after that, uh, you shortly, if you don't already know, you discover God must be first in all and everything. In every aspect of your life, God must be first over family, over work, over everything. God comes first. And that is setting ourselves apart or sanctifying ourselves and through sanctification we cleanse ourselves and we also set ourselves apart from the rest of society as Christians and followers of Christ we are to become more Christ-like each day therefore that sets us apart more and more <clears throat> gradually we are going to become further and further uh, apart from the secular world, the non-religious world, and anyone who is not a follower of Christ. Our views are going to be different. The, the rules we learn when we become born again, saved, we study the Bible. We learn the Ten Commandments, then we learn the Beatitudes, and we learn how Christians are supposed to live under the law of God. God gave us free will, and that's when he lets us choose. We can do whatever we want, but that's where heaven and hell comes in. And that's also where sin comes into the world. Hey, kitty, kitty. It's a cat. Hey. Now we feed all God's creatures. So, sin also affects the world. Disaster, death, disease. In the Garden of Eden, there was no death, disaster, disease. We had no police force. We needed none. We had no fire departments. We had no establishment. We had no government. Uh, we had man living in total um, harmony with God and all God's creatures and surroundings. <clears throat> and that was broken when we violated the laws of God. He gave us free will. 
and more when uh, Eve was tempted to take of the, the the fruit, the tree of knowledge. It was more not even that uh, the the actual that that tree was so sacred. It was what would man do when confronted with his free will and the opportunity to obey God even though we don't understand it just as Adam didn't understand it he should have obeyed it that's where faith comes in we have free will but we need to say I might not understand it like I don't understand celibacy I've been celibate for a year I took my vow of celibacy when I became an ordained minister for the ULC I'm a ULC minister studying to be an Episcopal priest that's what I'd like to be. I don't agree with the ULC. I am ordained to the ULC. But once I studied it, being a born-again, saved Christian, I found out they believe in universalism. You know, uh, they can believe in homosexuality, all that. I don't agree with that. I believe in the strict letter of the law by scripture. And not because I necessarily, I still love homosexuals. That's the thing. Even as a Christian, say we disagree with, say, homosexuality. I still love Christian homosexuals just as much as anyone else. I just try to teach them that I don't know why, just as they don't know why. But God says it's not right. So I don't understand it. I just follow it on faith. But I still love them and Jesus would love them. Jesus taught us that. Jesus never taught hate. He taught to love everyone no matter what. And that's where also people talk about, I don't like to go to church. I don't want to be in a church. I'm like, think about Jesus. He was teaching in the streets. He was doing contact evangelism. He was not even doing friendship evangelism. He wasn't talking to his friends. Mostly he was talking to strangers. He was healing. And if you look at his ministry, it's so fascinating. He first came out healing in Galilee. And then he switched to the sermons and the teaching. Because he knew he had to... And it's just the whole way it, it, it played out. Up to the very last minute when he finally declared he was Messiah and they put him to death. You know, it's just if you study history and, and Christian theology, Judaism, etc. And just more... Um, even just the Christ, the life of Christ, and how his ministry evolved, it's fascinating. But anyway, back to sanctification. And I'd like to just read some scripture, uh, how it tells of the world will be towards uh, the Christ's return and just uh, near the end. How society will be and and what man will be like now let's read some of these let's go to 2 timothy 3 and i believe this is perilous times and perilous men but know this that in the last days perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy unloving unforgiving slanderers without self-control brutal despisers of good traitors headstrong haughty lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such a people turn away 
For this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women. It tells don't even hang out with people like that. And if you listen to it, it's like the evening news. It's like this is it right here. You know, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, boasters, lovers of themselves, lovers of money. You know, it is exactly a materialistic Christian society today. And, and why we need to sanctify ourselves is that uh, Paul tells in some of his epistles that um, either in the church or in the future church, even the, the, that's describing the actual church and Christians. You won't be able to tell Christians from the secular society and that's what we have today it is hard to tell a christian from a non-christian they're both materialistic they're both lovers of money they both actually their idol their their god isn't isn't the lord their god is money because that's what they idolize wealth and materialism so they have replaced god with what is made of bronze wood stone gold just as the prophets of old had talked about it's happened in this day and age but that's why we need to sanctify ourselves because the the body of christ the church is actually us the christians and we are like a ship we are going through the ages going through time and we are we are the few we are the ones on the narrow path rocking and and we're in a boat you know well, you could look at it two ways. We're on a narrow path. Narrow path is the, is the the righteous way, and the wide gate is the easy way. And many find the wide gate, and few follow the narrow path. The narrow path is followed by Christians, and it's it's a hard life. It's a life of self denial, like denying thyself. When I chose to remain celibate i wanted to sleep with a couple of different girls but i denied what i wanted to do i thought well what does the lord want me to do so i went home and read the bible and the and the feelings passed and i think it also builds your faith so if you don't do and that's what i've come to uh, recognize if we don't do the easy things like celibacy lying cheating stealing so we need to not do that we need to tell the truth we need to put god before work god before making money and we need to do everything honestly we need to be celibate we need to you know only have sex and marriage etc the people think that's the hard stuff it's actually the easy stuff the hard stuff comes when someone like uh Joseph was asked to give his firstborn and he was offering his firstborn child up to the Lord and the Lord stopped him you know that stuff is actual test what if the God asks you to put one of your kids before him you're actually supposed to put God before your family do you know this do you even know the rules I didn't you know I'm only learning them because as a born again saved Christian it is my duty to study the scripture daily and that's the only way you find this stuff out is by daily study of the scripture. And then uh, someone was down here the other day, one of my neighbors, he's like, well, man, and you can tell a lot of this doesn't even come from God. It's He was talking about the Old Testament, all the laws and the rules. He's like, that's not from God. And it is from God. But what you can't get caught up in anyway, even if it is laws and rules, uh, we don't we follow it but that's not what we base our faith in when jesus came he brought the new testament 
And that's why people are Bible literate nowadays. They don't even know Old Testament from New Testament. I've had uh, good-looking white girls who are Christians gone to church their whole life, married with three kids, and they really didn't know the difference from Old Testament and New Testament. New Testament, Jesus came. That's Jesus. And he brought a new covenant. He did not destroy the law or bring new laws. He brought a new covenant. And the new covenant was uh, when he died. Uh, he he was man, he was God incarnate. He came here to die for our sins. And when he did that, he left. And in came the Holy Spirit. And that put the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, the law of the Lord on our hearts. So it is known by all. That's your moral compass, your guide. And we have that through the, the Holy Spirit now. And that's what Jesus Christ ultimately brought. And his death ushered in the Holy Spirit. And he said, I actually have to go. It is better for me to leave you because what comes after me is essential. The Holy Spirit. And that entered in the Great Commission where the Holy Spirit came in and then we are to go out and spread the gospel to the four corners of the earth. We are God's army and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have never had power like this until Jesus came with the New Testament, the New Covenant. You and once you realize how much power you have and once you're in tune with God and God actually hears your prayers, remember if you're not in tune by God, even people in tune with God, it talks about uh, the archangel Michael and Gabriel and angels having to battle their way through demons. There is a, a three, he three heavens. The second heaven is where Satan's throne is. And all your prayers have to make it through there to get to God. And then God's messages have to get to you. And if you're not in tune with God, your prayers will never even get to Him. And that's why we also must sanctify ourselves. To put ourselves in tune with God so our prayer can be effective prayer. Because the, the, the strongest weapon in a Christian's arsenal and in warfare, spiritual warfare, is the Word of God. That is the sword of God of the Lord. The Word of God is the sword that comes out in the mouth, the Spirit, the sword, and the armor of God will envelop you, and it will clothe you and protect you. But to have your weapon, your offensive weapon, you need to be in tune with the Lord, and you must do that through sanctification. You must set yourself apart. Once you're born again, you got to tell that girlfriend or boyfriend, well, we're going to have to stop. we got to stop having sex. i got to stop doing this. You know, if I was dealing weed, I can't deal weed. If I was selling liquor, I can't sell liquor. I have to sell my liquor store. i got to sell my bar. You know, I can't sell cigarettes in my store anymore, whatever. Um, it has to be totally in line with God. And as you find it out more and more each day, you become more and more Christ-like. And you have to. Or you're not following the will of God. And you will not be in tune with God. And, and you will fall short in your prayer. And just your Christian life. It will not be as developed. And your Christian abilities will not be as developed. Uh, this is where I have finally can feel my preaching coming in. Because I'm getting in tune with God. I'm not there, but I'm working on it. And I'm praying on it. And I'm reading my scripture. And I'm actually saying my prayers. Not as much as I should, but I'm praying daily. 
and I'm and I'm getting more in tune with God. I am definitely getting more Christ-like, and I can feel my power of preaching. Because now, like right now, when I preach, I'm just flowing in the Holy Spirit. I get up. I got some scripture I wrote down, but it's really I'm just talking. I got no scripture. I'm letting God lead me. The Holy Spirit gives me the power, my offensive weapons, the Word, and it flows, and it flows from God, not from me. It, it goes through me and into the airwaves over podcast, and that's how we all, apostles and prophets, disciples, evangelists, get the Word of God out. But uh, you can tell when you're in tune. Wait till I do sit down and actually do some outlining and actually plan a good sermon. Then we're going to really get some good stuff going. But sanctification, to sanctify, let's see. I wrote down some verses up. <laughs> let's see what I got down. Let's see. Well, uh, the wages of sin, I do like that. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And they have a diagram they use. That's the one verse gospel. The wages of sin are death. Jesus Christ came to bridge the gap between us and God with the free, the gift of eternal life. So uh, what would our, 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 our do been? For our sinfulness, death, hell. That's what all of us, because you've broken one commandment. You've broken them all. The Bible tells us. And we've all lied. So we're all going to hell. That's what it tells us. And our only, our only way to bridge that gap and to get out of hell is to put our faith in Jesus Christ. To bend the knee, proclaim Him Lord, and learn His ways. It is a free gift. It's a free gift from God. Anyone can take it. All you got to do is say the prayer, believe He is Jesus Christ, and then from there your faith will build. You just have to read Scripture. You're not supposed to know it. Boom, oh, I know everything. You know, I'm basically a preacher now. You just have to take that faith, that leap of faith, and say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came here to die for my sins. He died on the cross was crucified he was raised from the dead three days later and he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father and he will come again you have to just believe that basic creed and put your faith in it and you are saved you have eternal life your sins are forgiven you're not going to hell anymore and then all you got to do is read the bible and study it. It's not hard. People think it's hard. It's not. The hard part is sanctifying yourself and setting yourself apart. But it's really not. Because once you read the Bible, and you, you get strength from the Lord. All right, I got a little treat for you. Uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, they're, when the Babylonian came in and, and, and conquered them and, and then Rome destroyed it you know it, it'd be like having uh, the Smithsonian or something more, more like the White House and the Capitol building together you know all of a sudden an army comes in and, and just destroys it and that's what the Roman Empire did to this giant temple 
Study about the temple. It's amazing how big in it everything it was. And the Romans destroyed it. They actually burned it and uh, made it the rocks and everything weak. And they pried and and actually used manpower and and toppled the stones. You know, this thing was probably seventy feet tall. It's incredible. So anyway, uh, the ten tribes. They were all displaced. You know, they were conquered. The 12 tribes. So the only two to remain were Israel and Judah. And, and two of the ones, they say, of the 10 lost tribes were Manasseh and Ephraim. And Ephraim, those people became uh, the Great Britain and the British Isles. And that's proven. And they're pretty sure from Scripture and everything, the only country that fits Manasseh is America. Because Menasseh and Ephraim were compared as brothers. One younger to the other, one become greater than the other before the other. And that's basically what they are. They are the only two countries to fit um, the prophecy. And I believe it's in, uh, what is the prophecy? I don't want to misquote the chapter. But it's Old Testament prophecy. And of course, Britain became, Ephraim became uh, great before Menasa, and then Menasa came after, and it read about it. It is a great story. It's in Genesis. Genesis, actually, that's right. It's in Genesis. Uh, it might be twenty-two. Let's see if we can find it. Let's see, and it talks about these two young kids. Are they going to be blessed by the grandfather? It's really cool, and it's the prophecy of Menasa and Ephraim and those people turned into the United States and the British Isles. Genesis 22, 17. All right, blessing, I will bless you and multiplying all multiply dispense descendants as the stars of heaven as the sand which is on the seashore and your Descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And that's talking about how um, it's saying how these two nations will, will um, be in power and hold, you know, the, the key points, lots of land, lots of wealth, and the key points of travel and military power. In uh, your seed, all the nations of earth shall be blessed. Here, here he is. Oh, this is where he talks about um, Abram, where he bound Isaac and he was going to offer Isaac up. That's what it was. Abram was going to offer his son up, and he said no. And that's talking about putting, you know, God first. Because that's why he blessed him, he said, with his uh, prosperous family. Let's see. Let's see. Because I think it's somewhere else that we got. Maybe it's 48. Uh, this is what messes my sermons up. But this is how you know I'm just flowing. It ain't written down. Jacob blesses Joseph's sons. Here it is. Now the eyes of Israel were dim or age, so he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near him. 
And he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, da, da, da. So Joseph brought them forward. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, got in his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before my fathers Abram and Isaac walked, God who has fed me all my life long to this day. Blah, blah, blah. Bless the lads and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Menace's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. And that's talking about Ephraim. And Ephraim was Great Britain, and they came to dominance first. And then Medusa would come to dominance after. Uh, see, he said, but his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He shall become a people, and he shall also, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. For really he was the older brother. Okay. And it's really talking about those uh, lands, their lands, and they're going to be great and powerful, etc., and they say the only two that can really fit it is Great Britain and America. Menasa being America and Ephraim being the lost tribe of Israel going to Great Britain. Alright, sanctification. I tell you this. We probably should stop this sermon. It's 25 minutes going on 30 so let us do a quick one more scripture let's do one more scripture ah 1 corinthians 6 15. 1 corinthians 6 15. i believe it's sexual immorality and that's a big thing nowadays and the sex has gotten just like Sodom and Gomorrah it's crazy and we need to rein it in uh, you know uh, uh, pornography and all that I had a bad problem I was watching pornography and uh, sending girls pictures and and doing drugs and doing crazy stuff so and going to strip clubs and, and partying with escorts I was doing bad stuff and let's see six it's 1 Corinthians 6.15. 6.15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot or a whorehouse? No, certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. 
but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And that's very important. we got to remember that. We were bought at a price. The only reason we're not going to hell is because Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. And then he, he died for our sins. So we should respect Jesus and respect our bodies that are not our own, the Bible tells us. So we are defiling something that is of God. God owns our body, our life. We owe it to him. And by defiling it sexually, in immorality, sexual immorality, we are, we are um, just disrespecting the Lord. And we're defiling the very image of God. Because humans are made in God's image. So it's it's pretty serious. It's very serious. And you want to talk about, you know, going to hell and just busting one commandment. Well, well what do we do if we, we got free will and we willfully keep breaking these commandments? We're not even trying to rein it in or become more Christ-like. That's when, you know... I can't judge us, and I don't think any man is supposed to say you're going to go to hell. But the Bible tells us it's not looking good, that there is a hell. People will go there. More go there. More will go there through the wide gate than will stay on the narrow path and enter heaven. So we got to realize, well, how do we go to hell then? It's probably going to be living in sexual immorality and things of that nature if we just live that way our whole life. So we want to be careful with that, and we want to rein it in. So God bless. I love you. Pray. Prayer is our key weapon. It is our strongest weapon, and it is our best weapon against sin and against Satan and against temptation. So pray and read your Bible. I love you. God loves you. And Jesus Christ loves you. Pastor Mike from Fredericksburg, Virginia. Have a great evening, and God bless.